In this episode of Sound Seekers Presents Testimony in Musician Story, I talk to industry veteran, Mr. Dell. Now, Mr. Dell describes his transition from making music with Memphis, Tennessee, and Oscar-winning group 3-6 Mafia, to making Christian music. He also talks about how he's introduced the world to Canton Jones, Molly Music, and Xavier Omar back in his spazzy rocket days. And he describes why MD 2020 is his final album. I am Gaelica Brown, and this is Sound Seekers Presents Testimony, a Musician's Story. And we're going to start with your first music memory, whether it be a music video or a song, um, a performance you saw. What's your very first music memory? My first music memory was at the age of seven. I remember it vividly because this is, you know, like the movie Brown Sugar, where they say, when did you fall in love with hip hop? So it was my cousin from the East Coast came uh, to visit us for the uh, Christmas break. And he introduced me to my first hip hop song, which was Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick, The Show. And from that moment, I got turned out. Like I listened to all his tapes while he was there, uh, begged him to uh, leave me with at least one of them. And he did. And then he ended up sending me my first two rap albums. And from that point on, uh, like I said, I was hooked, I was turned out, and I began to basically write raps because at, uh, before then, I was writing poetry, and I would write poetry to my mother, to my sisters, you know, all the time. And so when I got introduced to hip hop, it, it just, I, I saw that it was nothing but poetry to beats. And it, and it just spoke to me, you know what I'm saying, that at the time, I, I, I grew up without my father and I didn't and I didn't have a male image and to me to hear black men uh, speaking about all these different topics. It, it, I don't know. It just resonated with me. And I it just mm. it just and it was just me walking into my purpose. OK. All right. Well, and then talking about not having a black male figure, we're going to go backwards and talk about you growing up. So. Where were you born and raised at? Memphis, Tennessee, 901. Shelby Drive, look alive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> literally. Yeah. Literally, right off, right off of Shelby Drive. You know, shout out to Drake. Uh, but yeah, man, that's my hometown. That's my turf. That's where I, I still reside to this day. And I believe that it plays a lot of part in my musical, you know, uh, history, you know, as far as the history that's here. In Memphis, uh, you know, this is the birthplace of uh, rock and roll, the home of the blues, as, as they promote and say. Uh, Stax Records in the 70s was very big here. So, you know, you had artists like Otis Redding, Al Green, Isaac Hayes, Aretha Franklin. That's the type of energy that's in the city and that's mm -hmm. in my blood. And then, of course, I come from the new school cloth of 3-6 Mafia. You know what I'm saying? And, and and what is now, you know, the new wave is your Yo Gotti, your Young Dolph, Black Youngster, you know, Moneybag Yo. So that that's, Memphis has always been that musical uh, melting pot. Yes, it has been. 
And you mentioned not having a father around. So were you raised by your mom primarily then? Well, I was raised by my cousins. Uh, okay. My mom, you know, my mom had, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's four of us, four siblings and all, a younger brother and I have two older sisters. So, you know, it was real hard for my mom when she was coming up. So she, she really worked a lot. So it really left me to be home by myself and being raised in the streets by my cousins who were, you know, gang bangers and, 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 and drug dealers, you know what I'm saying? So I came up kind of idolizing them because that was the only, you know, male model that I saw. But then when I got introduced to hip hop, I ended up connecting with uh, Juicy J from 3-6 Mafia and the rest of the crew. And that's when my life took another turn or direction because if I would have stayed in with my cousins, I would have been getting into a lot of trouble. I was already getting, you know, uh, locked up in juvenile. I was in and out of juvenile. You know, I was a game banger, just getting into all kinds of trouble. So, you know, music kind of saved my life, but uh, the gospel saved my soul. Right on. And when you say your cousins, were the were they a like grown adults or were they younger? Like who? They were teenagers. Teenagers, pretty much. Getting money. Crazy. Okay. Yeah, getting money. Teenagers okay. getting money. Uh, you know, doing their thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, that was the eighties. That was the eighties. So the eighties was a crack. That was the crack era. Yeah. So Memphis was really you know, engulfed with that. And, and and there was so many hustlers and so many dealers and my cousins were like really in the mix. Uh, my stepfather was in the mix. My brother's daddy, he was he was a dope boy, a heavy dope boy. Uh, you know, my, my sister's father was a dope boy. So it was, it was all around. Yeah. Okay. And so, okay. Now around the time that you, well, before we go to hooking up with Juicy J, your household at all, was it Christian at all? Any, any church on holidays or anything? <laughs> my, my mom, my, later on, my mom got saved, you know what I'm saying? And she, you know, used to drag me and my brother to church, but it, it's all about what the influence is in your life. Mm -hmm. So even though we were going, I wasn't interested in that. That's yeah. not where I was, I, I, I would, I, matter of fact, we would sit at the back of church and I would always sneak out and go mm -hmm. on the corner and just, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, yeah, she was in church. She was in church. She brought us to church, but the church wasn't in me. You know what I'm saying? Got it. And then around what age was it when you ended up hooking up with JCJ? I was 15 years old. Okay, super young. Sophomore yeah. in high school. Sophomore in high school uh, at the time, uh, we had a booming Memphis local rap scene. Okay. And so back, back then, we're talking about the early 90s, mid 90s. So uh, what they were selling mixtapes, literally cassette tapes. Yeah, and they were circulating. <laughs> they would say, come on, y'all remember that? <laughs> and they were circulating across the city. And I remember, you know, at the time, you know, of course, you, you listen to New York and, and all the mainstream hip hop artists, your NWAs, West Coast and all that other stuff. But this thing called Memphis rap culture started to circulate through these tapes. And I was like, oh, man, there's some people in the city doing, you know, hip hop. And, and you know, and they would sell them, you know, and they would just circulate all through the city. So what I ended up doing is I ended up tracking down. Juicy, because these were 
3-6 was one of my favorite groups out of the Memphis rap scene that I, I really just really loved. I like, I love their sound. Like I, I, I kind of favored them over everybody that was kind of out doing stuff. So at the time, you know, I was making my little tapes at the house and uh, I made a demo and, and I basically took it to Juicy. And that was how we connected, had my boys speak. We snuck out the house one night, uh, stole, you know, stole my mama's car, uh, you know, drove down to the club, wasn't even old enough to be there. We waited until it was over. And uh, Juicy J was hanging outside, man, and it was just fate. I ended up walking up to him, introducing myself, giving him my mixtape. And uh, he didn't jump on the music, but we just started a relationship. And I, and I just began to pay my dues. You know, I began to run with the group, go on shows with them. I was put up posters. I would pass out tapes, you know, I, I just, you know, made my bones with them. And then when I graduated high school, that was when I began to really pursue my music on a professional level, went from making tapes at the house to actually getting in the studio, getting money together and getting in the studio. And then finally I ended up getting my break and they ended up signing me. So around what age then was this when they signed you? They signed me at 19. 19. And did they sign you as a solo artist or part of the group? How did that work a out? A solo artist. A solo artist under Hypnotized Minds, which was their label. So the crew, was called, the crew was called Hypnotized Camp Posse. And, 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 that album, and that album came out in 2000. And did you have a different stage name then? No, same name, Mr. Dale. Always been Mr. Dale. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the album you said came out in 2000, but I also read that 2000 is when you gave your life to Christ. Album came out January 2000. I went to church Easter Sunday, April, and gave my oh, life to God. Wow. <laughs> Only a couple crazy, months. Right? Wow. So so let's talk about that. How does that happen? You you work so hard to get signed. You put out an album and then you walk into a church two months later and your life changes. Let's let's <laughs> unfold all that. Well, well, we, well, well we're going to rewind it. Yes. We're going to rewind it a little bit for you to understand the transition. So when I met Juicy, I was in high school, sophomore in high school. By this time, my mother had remarried and the guy that she remarried was very abusive. Mm. He would abuse her and he would abuse me. So when I say that music saved my life, I mean it literally because it was like I, you know, was in this house where I was basically being physically abused and, and I had depression. I, I, you know, I had suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, I was really going through it. And, 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 and music was my therapy at the time. And uh, basically, man, uh, you know, once I got out the house at 18, and graduated and my, well, really got out. My mama kicked me out the house. So once I got kicked out the house, you know, I was like really pursuing the music because I felt like, okay, if I get on with the music, then I'm gonna have money, I'm gonna have cars, I'm gonna have success, and that's going to take away the pain. Well, summer of 99, when my album, when I, my first independent album came out and I was real hot, you know, and then got signed by 3-6, it was like, I went on tour, Living the rap star life, that rock star life, you know, the, the weed, the women, the liquor, it none of it really 
fill the void that I had from that tumultuous childhood. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like I was looking for God, but I was just, I mean, I was cognitive of the fact that, okay, I'm not really happy. You know what I'm saying? But I'm still going. I'm still doing my thing. I'm having a good time, but it, it really didn't fulfill that void. And so when I got off the tour, I said I was going to go to church to surprise my family because I hadn't seen them. So I was like, yo, I'm just, I'm going to pop up on Easter Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And just let them know I'm back in town and like all the success that's happened with my, my single and everything like that. But when I went, I went late. I, w- I, w- I wasn't even going to hear a message or nothing like that. But I heard the voice of God speak to me while I was sitting in the church and he gave me a vision of everything that I ended up doing in my Christian hip hop career. And when I saw that vision, I said, well, God, if I do that, you're going to have to take care of me because, you know, this is all I ever wanted to do. And he said, trust me. And I don't know, man, it was something about that vision. Mm -hmm. It was something about hearing the voice of God. It was something about which later I ended up, you know, discovering that my sheep know my voice. So I was always chosen to do what I do. I just had to go through what I mm-hmm. went through in order, you know, this is called testimony. So I'm, so it's my testimony to go through everything that I went through in order to be at this state. And then, so when I heard it, it just, I, it was a, it was like a Paul experience on the road to Damascus. This is like, I heard his voice. I got transformed by the vision. And, and I immediately left the group and began to work on my first Christian hip hop album. That's crazy. Um, let's talk about the vision and the, the hearing the voice for, for those who may not quite understand, like, what do you mean? Cause I, I experience visions. I never hear voices, but I experience visions. So I totally get that. So for someone who really doesn't understand that, when you say you saw a vision, what necessarily did you see? I saw myself in the auditorium and it was thousands of young people and they were praising God. And the feeling that came over my body and how God gave it to me was, I don't want you to change who you are. I just want you to change the message. Because there's a generation that's lost and they need to hear what you have to offer them. So when I so that was the vision that I saw. And I immediately hit the ground running toward that vision. And of course it ended up getting accomplished because I ended up traveling all over this world and performing in auditoriums, in churches, with young people, praising God. Now, but how do you make that transition? You just, how do you automatically go from making, quote unquote, secular music to changing the whole mission and getting the music into people's hands? It's not difficult. It's called obedience. Okay. A lot of a lot of people make the, uh, the transition so difficult because it's it, they don't want to let go. Mm-hmm. And what you have to realize is that you know it's dangerous 
to not obey and not to let go. Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. When you look at Lot's wife, she didn't want to let go. Mm-hmm. He gave us specific instructions. Leave the city. Don't look back. But because she was still connected to her past, still connected to what was behind her, what was behind her ultimately ended up killing her. Yeah. So my thing is my past would have killed me. Yeah. Whether it been a physical death or a spiritual death or an emotional death, either way it go for the wages of sin is death. And God was calling me to life. He said, before you have placed blessings and curses, life and death, I pray that you choose life. I just happened to choose life that day. So that was the year 2000. When did you put out your first project? The summer of 2000. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You were just I'm, moving I'm, full steam ahead. Listen, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't play games, man. I don't play <laughs> games. I was a hustler in the world. I'm going to be a hustler for God. That's, that's why my moniker is the hope dealer. I approached ministry the same way a dope boy would approach the track. I don't know. And now you give, it the same, you give it the same energy. Why are we waiting? What are we waiting on? Even <laughs> Jesus told Judas, do it quickly. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I mean, what, what we waiting on? If God is giving you a vision, he's giving you an idea. You got this podcast. Somebody may be watching, may have an idea for a book, a podcast, whatever. You just get started. God gives you more on your way than he does you sit and contemplate. Right on. Right. And now you're also an ordained minister. Yeah, I became ordained a year after my salvation. Uh, When I realized that God really set me up, he used. Well, first of all, I'm a Gemini, so I don't believe in astrology, but I believe there are a lot of things that are connected to when you were born. Mm hmm. And some of those things apply. As far as I'm concerned, there is a duality with me. And that's why my latest, my last album is, is a double album. It, mm. it, it's two sides. And if you see in the background, you see one is dark and one is light. Because it's, it's like it, it, it tells the whole journey of the 20 years through 20 songs. Hence the title, M.D. 2020, Mr. Dale 2020. So the dark side explains what I did in 3-6 leading up to salvation. Got and the, the soul side is the side of more the vulnerable me telling the testimony during salvation. Because a lot of people feel like once I get Christ, I don't have no more troubles. That's when the trouble begins. Yeah. Because the devil was upset that you have now switched sides. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called South Side Soul Side. Okay. So it's like I switched sides, and, and and I still had to go through hell, but I went through it with God, and and that's why this side represents uh like it's 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 two sounds as well. Like there's this trap street sound. South Side gives you that hard bass. You know, you got one K few, you got Ken Jones, you got Fro, you got Merc on that album, but on my Soul Side album, you got singers. And, and you have a more melodic, soulful sound. So it, it, it represents two different arenas that I walk into at the same time. So, yeah, so it just, you know, it, it just has both sides 
of me yeah. uh, in the album. So the the South Side, we're we're gonna get into the album more, but that album's currently out, and then um, the second part comes out December twentieth. Yeah. So, and in addition to you being an ordained minister, you also have books out and a podcast associated. So the Soul Ties one and Soul Ties two. Yeah, and, and yeah. Podcast and, and, Soul Ties podcast. <laughs> It speaks to the duality. So, yeah, okay. that's where I was going with that. So it, so when it comes to me as a brand, it's music and ministry. Okay. Those are my two things. So mm-hmm. when I came in music, I thought that's all it was going to be. But then God revealed to me that I was a minister, that I was an orator, I was a speaker. So that's why that's where the ministry came involved. And a year later, I ended up getting ordained. I started a ministry. And Soul Ties Movement is pretty much like a new ministry, which is like the second phase of the music. Like the music was the beginning phase, but I believe Soul Ties is basically for everyone I raised up, everybody who was a teenager or or a kid when I started in music are now adults with children that are married or single or having relationship issues. And Soul Side speaks to all the relationship issues that God took me through and, and, and giving me basically the healing tactics in order to get healed and detox from toxic relationships. So Soul Ties is basically my new movement, you know, and, and, and I'm working it just like I work the music. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a podcast, it's a broadcast, it's a radio show, you know what I'm saying? We, it's the books. Uh, we're gonna end up doing a movie for it. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just really helping people detox from all toxic relationships. And when you say a movie, is it more like a documentary or like a scripted story? A scripted story. Okay. Based so, on my life. Right on. Now, outside of the music, just talking about your life personally, how does God's presence look like in your life? Personally, uh, personally, he's present, uh, and I'm passionate about the relationship. That's what it looks like. I'm well, talking about every, I, huh? I said that's evident. We can see your passion. You, you know that. Why you said it? It's it just immutes immute from you. Like, <laughs> look, at you. I mean, you're also the first person I've ever interviewed who's standing up. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm you, intense. I'm intense. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta move. I gotta move with it. I gotta move with it. I can't sit still, especially when you talk about the testimony. When you yeah. talk about the journey, and 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 it's a song on Soul Side called "No Intro," where I basically tell the entire journey. And when I tell you that song, it took me six hours to do because I was so hyped and excited that I kept going, running out of breath, and, and I had to keep punching in my line for line because like when I th- it's like the song saying when you think of the goodness of Jesus man and all that he's brought you from and brought you you know through you know what I'm saying so that 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 is it's it's current it's present every day I wake up I do this full time I don't have a nine to five ministry is all I do and it ain't no plan B I told God that when I got saved I said man I'm not working no regular job that ain't in me you know, even if I wouldn't save, I would be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be a go-getter. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to be my own boss. 
You know what I'm saying? Because that's the God in me. That's what I feel like he already put in me. So by getting a relationship with him, I began to understand that more and, and, and just so present. I mean, like every day I wake up, God, what are we doing? What are we doing? Give me the instruction. Order my steps. Direct my path. And, and that's how we get busy. Okay. Well, we're going to take a little break from the testimony. We'll get back to it. And I have a section um, I called Hot Topics, and it's basically what's trending on Twitter. So what's trending right now are the Grammy nominations. And um, in particular, uh, the contemporary Christian music song and performance categories for you know CCM. Lecrae was nominated for his song Sunday Morning on a Restored album. Um, a couple other nominations in that CCM category would be um, Torin Wells and Elevation Music. Um, and then additionally for CCM album, along with Hillsong and Torin Wells, we have Kanye West's Jesus is King. So in the Grammy world, it's like the Christian music categories just kind of blurred, like kind of just threw everyone into <laughs> one category. Um, if it's not, if it's not like your standard gospel type album, as opposed to, you know, in the Christian world, we have our subgenres. There's no way, you know, a Jesus is King is going to be in the same category as Hillsong. <laughs> so my question to you is, do you think it even matters that the lines are kind of blurred in the Grammy world versus you know, the Christian world? The world has always blurred lines. <laughs> they just be in the world. Yeah. They're just doing what they do. Yeah. And I mean, is it a win for the culture though to have like, I mean, Lecrae got a nomination and if he ends up winning that, what do you think? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Somebody just recently did a post about my album and they said for the culture and I, and I, and I didn't, I wasn't feeling that. And I, I replied to his post. I said for the kingdom. Right on. Okay. Cause you know, yeah. So, so it, it, to me that the world stamping me does nothing for the kingdom. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, and I'm not really concerned about the culture. I'm, I'm concerned about the kingdom. I'm from the kingdom. I rep the kingdom and everything that I have will come from the kingdom. So culture is, it's not even on my mind. And that was going to be my follow-up question or <laughs> would it be a win for the kingdom for the body? And, and does it even matter? Like, what are we going for? Are we going for the culture? Are we going for the kingdom? <laughs> and there you go. There you go. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going back into the music, um, I mean, we pretty much covered the transition from being your three, six mafia days to your Christian music start. Um, and when you came into the Christian music, you also um, had some nominations as well. We, we had didn't like, care about none of them. Go ahead. And you didn't care, about, didn't none care about none of them. <laughs> right. Did not even care. I didn't, um, even show up to, I didn't even show up to the Grammys. All right. <laughs> Not, um, also, what about the Dove Awards? Didn't show up there? No, I showed up to the Doves. Okay. I showed up to the Doves. Didn't care, though. 
But I showed up. I, I showed up. I showed up because it was it, it was a, like the label. You know, it was a label. I had, I had, you know. But after they found out that I just really didn't care, they just stopped making me go. <laughs> are you still signed to a label? Or are you independent? What? Yeah, I've always been independent. I've just always been in uh, business with labels. Uh, they've uh, so I've had, I've been independent since day one because okay. remember. Memphis is that's that's what we are. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's what we are. So when you cut a deal with me, I'm not coming in as an artist. I'm coming in as a business partner. So that's that South way of moving. That's that masterpiece. That's that you know three six mafia. That's the cloth that I'm cut from and that I learned from. So yeah, yeah. Nobody will ever be my boss. We'll be in partnership. So it's, it's always been yeah DMG for me. Yeah. And speaking of DMG and dedicated music group, so um, was that from the beginning too? Then, when you were released your first album, it was DMG. When I, okay. When I got yeah, when I got saved, I uh, asked God. I was like, "What are we gonna call this?" And that's what He gave me: DMG, De dedicated music group. And you have your own artist as well signed. Yeah, I have. Uh, uh, well. My my catalog has been uh, over the over the twenty years that DMG has been mm -hmm. in existence. Uh, is Ken Jones? Uh, he was on DMG. Uh, his first uh, project, uh, Molly Music. I introduced the world of Molly Music. Mm -hmm. I signed him first. Uh, I, Xavier Omar yeah, in what LA. Is, was he Spazzy he Rocket then? Or yeah, there you go. <laughs> Mot. Yeah, okay. We'll call Mot. Uh, yeah, uh, D Mod. Uh, we've had D Mod. We've, uh, but now currently uh, it's uh, Merc P31 and uh, D McGee, a, a songstress from Memphis, uh, uh, called D McGee. Okay. And and, uh, my, and my boy Fro and my boy Fro. Me and Fro got a group called Troublemakers. And you have um, Canton Jones on your single and video for Changed which that Woo! sample is tough. <laughs> oh, change is on fire right now, man. It is, it is on fire. I mean, that, woo! Ken has been on every one of my albums uh, in my career from the moment I met him and vice versa. I'm on his album. I'm on, uh, what's that, Password. Me and him did Password together. Uh, I believe that was our first one we did together. Then I'm on King of Business, 24s. Dominionaire, Hallelujah with Dietrich Haddon, uh, Power, I'm on his latest album, I'm on there, you know, Power. Yeah, Kenton is my purpose partner, man, that is my brother, you know, so for the last album, I had to make the first single, Me and Him, because me and him built this, you know, movement in Christian hip-hop that has the brand that it does, which is basically, you know, that street, where street and, and 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 spirit me okay now yeah. i've never heard the phrase purpose partner i i love those two words together thank you <laughs> yeah it just be it, yeah i, I just I, I came up with it one day meaning you you know you my partner and purpose like we were meant to be together like a david and jonathan or uh you know the the relationship that that john and jesus had when they were in the wombs of their mothers and they and when they their bellies touched the mm -hmm. spirit they ignited 
Like that's how me and Ken are. Like when we get on stage, when we get in the studio, just when we in per in person, like we just laugh and our spirits light up. So that's my partner in purpose. Right on. Okay. And um, you've also have had an appearance in, and you did a film scoring for the 2016 Obama's America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I scored my first movie. That was my first ever movie that was scored. That was so crazy to me. Uh, I can't believe that they called on me to score, but but because <laughs> I've never done that before. But yes, I scored that and made a, a cameo in that movie, and uh, that was dope. That was very dope to be, you know what I'm saying? The first black president to be associated with a movie, you know, that's. How did that amazing. even come about? You were talking about it's wild that they ask you to score. Like, why would they even ask you? What? Because <laughs> I make dope music. Obviously that. But if you're like, if you hadn't scored before. <laughs> I mean, they love my music. Well, okay. really, the director, the director. I met him through Kirk Whalum. Kirk Whalum is a world-renowned jazz saxophonist. He's known for the sax lead on I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Mm. He's from Memphis. He's from Memphis. So he actually, Kirk was playing on another movie that the director did. And uh, I guess at that time, the director was like, hey, I want like a rap type beat or whatever, whatever. And Kirk was like, my man, Mr. Dale. So when I got introduced to the director, mm -hmm. I gave him a song for this other movie that he did uh, called Miss HIV. He loved the song. He loved the music. And he was like, man, your music is awesome. So when he, you know, when it came to the Obama movie, they just loved my sound. They loved mm -hmm. the, you know, the way that I did my, my track. So they wanted me to, you know, score the Obama movie. That's cool. And yeah. what type of appearance was it? I played a young Obama. Yeah, it, it was like it was like it was a small scene. It was it was an excerpt. They were reading from his book, mm -hmm. and I and I had to, I, it wasn't no speaking part or nothing. I just you know they you know how they cut to the reenacting part. Yeah. So I was like I had to wake up out of my bed like I was having a dream and all that other stuff. It was you know it was it was like work. <laughs> so did they throw a toupee on you or something? No. <laughs> what did you do for the hair? <laughs> I had hair in. Okay. Oh, you trying to rock. You trying to check me. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine a bald Obama. No, no, I had hair in. <laughs> okay. And moving forward now to current with your your um, last project. So this is it. The double CD MD 2020 is it? You're retiring. Yeah, from music. From, from music. Art. Yeah, being an and artist. Yeah, I'm still gonna run my label. Still gonna produce. Still gonna do features. But as far as the 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 legacy, man, it's already. I've laid a a very solid foundation. Twelve albums, um, solo albums, over twenty albums produced mm -hmm. from my label. 20 years, I mean, hip hop is a young man's sport. It's like the NFL or the NBA, you know? Oh, yeah. So you gotta, you gotta just know when to get, you know, when to fall back and, and let the young, young kids have. 
But you still make appearances on songs and stuff. You're not gone forever. Are you going to do sure, it? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, if, if, if Jay-Z and Busta Rhymes can do it, I can do it too. Okay. <laughs> All right. And let's talk about God's presence in your life musically. He influences it all, you know, uh, from the he ghost rights, Holy Ghost rights, uh, even the production. I, I can't make a move without without his presence being in the room. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. of course, before I even start, you know, I invite him in and I just open up myself and let him work through me. You know, so it is very important to me, you know, because what's, what what comes from the heart is going to affect the heart. What comes from the spirit is going to affect the spirit. And I always want to make the type of music that when someone hears it, they feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, I reach yeah. them, you know. And I believe that this album really encompasses every emotion like that. Okay. And my final question, now that you've gone through this process and this interview with me, and might I say that I got it right at 40 minutes. So I just want to give myself kudos to that. <laughs> um, but who would you like to see me, me interview? Whose testimony would you, someone that you know personally or just someone's testimony that you would like for me to, to share? Mm. In music? Yes. Huh. Wow. I would love to hear Kurt. I would love to hear Kurt Franklin. <laughs> I would love to him get him to get real raw. You know? I would love that too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the show. However you consume us, thank you. Please subscribe to the show. And if you really enjoy the content, please leave a review. It really does help with the ranking of the show. And if you want to go an extra mile, share the show. Share this episode. And for all things testimony, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Gilika Brown, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.